0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey guys, it's me, Lisa Stanley, your rent-a-yenta. And on today's episode with us, Chef Courtney. Yep, that's right. Courtney Store, She's the head chef from L.A.'s hippest eatery, uh, John and Vinny's. We're going to talk about how she sacrificed her health for the sake of fitting in and on balancing pizza, produce, and gender roles. Hi, Courtney. Hello. All right. Welcome to what goes on around here. Oh my god, I'm so excited. And today we're going to find out what goes on around in your <laughs> life, starting with, let's tell people, you are uh, a native of Chicago. Yes, Chicago. Born in Chicago, how many
2: siblings? Two. Brothers, in the middle, sisters? Two brothers. Two brothers. Mm-hmm. And do they still live in Chicago? Yes, I have uh, my little brother who's in Chicago, and then my brother Chris is in LA with me, which is amazing. And uh, Chris is part of the reason why you're doing what you're doing here, oh. which we're going to get
1: to uh, <laughs> in a little bit. Yeah. But let's Tell people uh, how you're a young girl, you're a beautiful girl, and how you are running. You have a team of 30 people at this restaurant. More than that. More than that. Yeah, like 50. But oh my
2: God. <laughs> 30
1: and counting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's start by telling people how you even fell in love mm-hmm. with food and cooking. And I think that was at a very young age, uh, which you attribute to your grandma, right? Yes. Tell us about that.
2: Yes. Um, I grew up with an Italian grandmother who was uh, someone who never cooked. From a recipe book. You just knew when she was cooking because you smelled it. That was the first thing is that I knew any holiday, but any Sunday, birthday, it would be surrounded by not only delicious looking food, but it was more the smells that I remembered. And they really shaped this like craving within me where I was like, I, I sort of I sort of built like a palette for really good food at a really young age. Cause my mom and my grandmother, um, both being Italian, just had amazing food in the house at all times. And you especially say you loved your grandma's Sunday yes, sauce. Yes. what was that? Uh, it was like a neck bone gravy, which is made. What is that? It's like a ragu, an Italian ragu. So it's not necessarily a bolognese, but it's a red sauce that's cooked all day. Sometimes um, she would make it with like neck bone, which is really juicy, like neck of what pork. Pork neck bones, yeah, and sometimes you can use beef, but a lot of times it was pork neck bone, Um, and then it would be either like a little bit of uh, beef chuck kind of cooked slowly, or pork sausages cooked slowly in the sauce, and um, the the smell of like the garlic, and sometimes she would use red wine and white wine, and I would just like smell it, and then you see it cook down, and it was an all day sauce, so you would get there and spend time with the family, but in the background, the sauce would be getting better and better, and then you were just like dying to eat it by you know six or seven (laughs) o'clock. Can you imagine? I mean, I wish I had a grandma that did that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I was really, really lucky. I mean, for sure. For sure. And I think, you know, in Chicago, I was surrounded by pizza and Italian beef and like the best Like accessible fast food, I always say, is that LA? Like, it was such a a difference for me living here because I was like, where's Portillo's and where are these like places in Chicago that you could just go and get like really good food, quality wise? Um, I I really miss that here. But back in Chicago, you just created it. So I don't think you got (laughs) to... I know. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. We're doing that here. All right. So then, how old were you during those uh, years? Um, Well, I would say up until the age of like 15, 16. My parents went through a divorce. So I unfortunately kinda became estranged from my grandmother and that Italian side of the family uh, for a while. But it's okay because I think that's what really sparked me recreating food. Because you then started cooking. Exactly. For your family, right? Exactly. I And not only did I start cooking, but my first job was at an Italian restaurant called Sunny's, And it was the quintessential little family restaurant in um, the neighborhood I was living in. Is this the restaurant where your boss recommended you learn how to cook? That was years later. This one, I didn't, it wasn't a recommendation. It was like, hey, if you scrub the floor, you scrub the floor. You're going to make the salads if the salad person calls out. Or you make the cannolis. I used to stuff the cannoli shells. And they would let me do little projects. Um, And it was because I was like wide-eyed and really excited by everything that so um i what started was the as a host the first thing you cooked
1: uh, for your family
2: uh, for my family i started making sauces Definitely at home. Right. So whatever we had, and I grew up with a single mom. I mean, when my parents divorced, Me too. yeah, I I was like, I want to make good food, and my mom would be like, either having a bad day or sad, I can't afford to exactly buy really good food. Sure. Yeah, and so I'd be like, what is in the cabinets? And I would find like canned tomato, and I'd have garlic because it was affordable, and we'd have little things, and I would just start making sauces, and I would say, oh, I remember Grandma used to do this or do that, and I started to riff on Italian food through my memory of it, and that. And I'd start looking up recipes, and I'd watch cooking shows with like people that I looked up to, like even Rachel Ray and Giada De Laurentiis. I would just be like, "Oh my god!" And there was a show on PBS called um, Lydia's Italy, Lydia Bastianich, and I would just watch what she would do, and then I would find Recreate. whatever. Yeah, and, and sometimes I didn't have the stuff. You so. know what
1: Gordon Ramsay told me? Um, I interviewed Gordon Ramsay, and he once uh, told me that. A perfect chef and a really good chef, it doesn't have to be the chef who comes out of Cordon Bleu. Ugh. It has to be the chef who can open a refrigerator and take whatever is yes. inside and make a masterpiece out of it.
2: Uh, a big shout out to Gordon Ramsay because I've never met, I've met him, he's coming to the restaurant um, so I've met him that way but his autobiography is one of the reasons that I had the backbone and the, the toughness to enter some of these kitchens. Later on in life I cooked in some of the toughest kitchens and oh, we're Gonna I read that, that book, and he's just amazing, and he's so right. It's like it all comes from heart and passion and dedication. You can have a resume with every amazing restaurant and not care about the food. So where does that leave you in a kitchen? It's like I don't really need you to tell me how great you are. I need you to show me, and right. and that was why I think I was able to do well is because I I cared and I I tried. You have to try. Yeah. Do you cook, Anthony?
0: Not like that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Anthony, what do you make? No, Come no on. Sauces? No sauces. No sauces. <laughs> no. no pasta. No,
0: not like that.
2: No, no. salads. What are you doing over there, Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So
1: you mentioned you didn't start cooking right away. You did all jobs in a restaurant. You were a hostess. Yes. You were a server. Mm-hmm. You managed the front house. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I really believe. That if you are going to run a restaurant at the end of the day, you got to do every job, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that's what's really Which was unique. the worst job that you did in a restaurant?
2: I'm sure scrubbing
1: the floors wasn't pleasant.
2: Ooh, ooh. Um, you know what? I still have to do that. I'm still the one at the end of the day in a, in a restaurant that I will have to get down and dirty with my team to not only gain and earn respect, but also because I'm the one everyone goes to when something goes wrong. So sometimes that's not the most desirable. Sometimes it is like unclogging a toilet, and they're like, Chef, what do I do? And I'm like, I got it. you I'm that person sometimes. Wow. Yeah, because I'm the first in command. So when things go crazy, I got to step up. So- I enjoy it though because I love when people rely on me for sure and and I take a lot of pride in that. But I would say the worst part was um sometimes as a server uh, because you you can have really hard experiences with customers. Um whether their expectations are high, <laughs> you know, their expectations are really high or um manners in general or right. someone's too drunk and they say something that really upsets you and you can't do anything about it. You can't right. stick up for yourself because then you're representing the brand and you ha- you don't you just can't do anything. Well, yeah, you just got to be like I got to take it. That's where the customer's always right. Uh- exactly comes in, yeah right? and sometimes you're like you're not right <laughs> you're a monster you're an actual monster but so you So that's you the can't. worst job is dealing um, with the customers at times at times um I Yeah, I, I would say in general, um, that's been the hardest part sometimes is that I care so much about the food and the intention. I'm so well-intended, and I know my entire team is well-intended, and uh, I really believe in that. So sometimes when people come in and they just want to hate the experience or they're having a bad day, and it might not have anything to do with me, but, but what comes out from them is like really intense energy, and you just got to be like, okay, there's nothing I'm going to say, but you're upsetting me, but I can't do anything, and you just got to walk away from it. So wow. sometimes I give my servers so much credit because... Um, um, our servers at, at John and Vinnie's uh, have so much fun, and they're so wonderful. But There's sometimes two locations,
1: by the yeah. way, John and Vinny's. one on Fairfax, everyone—and the other one is new in Brentwood. which yes. is, you can't get in. Good luck, <laughs> but
2: you could <can> try. <laughs> no, please come. <laughs> come for breakfast. You know, breakfast you know what? is breakfast so good. Is first yes. of all, what
1: goes on with those potatoes?
2: Oh my God, aren't they great? Tell him I'll about tell you what. the potatoes. So, okay, so first of all, we get everything from the farmers market. So that's the first thing is that our product is top notch. So we get these potatoes from Wiser Farms. They're fingerling potatoes but they're so delicious and they almost have a sweetness to yes. them. Do you notice that? Yeah. Yeah, so like uh I I just want I I would say that they're sweet but, but they're like, crispy what, and they're is there salty. Cheese on there or something? Yeah, parmesan cheese. Yeah. But we get obviously the best parmigiano reggiano that you can. And what's going on with that grapefruit? It's so easy. But I mean, again, that? again here we are with like really great Great quality grapefruit. That's the first thing, and then we just br- brulee it with turbinado sugar. Have you ever had Super that? simple. A, 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 no. br- a bruleed grapefruit. <laughs> I'm gonna make one for you. I mean, Thank it's you, really okay? it's not today. Really but incredible. Not when today. you come yeah. in, yeah. yes,
0: when I come in, I yeah, most definitely, I need that.
1: No, yes. Listen. She will do that because I'll tell you yeah. a little story. You don't know this. I will tell you this. You may not remember it, but you may. Uh, you guys, it was probably when you first opened in Brentwood. Uh, my my friend, who's also a, a trainer at mm-hmm. the gym, which there's a gym next, couple gyms next door to uh, John and Vinny in Brentwood. He came in to get um, some kind of a pastry thing that you had only made two of, and he's Italian. Oh my God,
2: I remember him, Vinny. Vinny. Yeah. And he's like, I'm Vinny. I'm like, yeah. and he says, fully Adele And yes. I was like, You're Italian. Yes. And he was like, Uh, yeah. And, and I was like, came Nobody. Came do you pronounce it? Yeah. And yeah. and she goes, "Just cuz
1: you can pronounce this, I am giving you this." <laughs> totally. Oh my god,
2: please send him my I love. I will. So, you know, Vinny,
1: Vinny and I train a little bit together occasionally, and he was I was telling him, "Vinny, you got to eat there." Oh my god, oh my and god. I met the chef. She's adorable. He goes, <laughs> I think I met her, and then he tells me this story. <laughs> oh, now, what's
2: it called? The thing? Spoliatel. Who? Spoliatel. It means lobster tail in Italian because <laughs> it looks like one. It's the cutest. Page. It's like so amazing, and, and I'm. You all all, two. Yeah, because nobody buys them. That's. What because they're like, what is that thing? Is it a croissant? What's happening there? And um, it's crispier. It the the actual taste of it doesn't. So are you the pastry chef as well? No, our we have an amazing That's what pastry I thought, chef. Yeah, said you you told um, me you made it. Yeah, Jennifer Shen is our pastry chef for the restaurant, um, both locations, and she's amazingly talented. Uh, this foliodel actually came from another chef. Her name was Tessa, who was with us previously, um, and I had I think talked about doing something like that with her with Vinny, who is also Italian American. John and Vinny. <laughs> yes, John and Vinny. Not my Vinny. Yes. Um, and, and yeah, Vinny of John and Vinny's. Yeah. And um, it's amazing because the food memories we all share, it's like we don't even have to go back. We're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. Obviously, we'll like throw something out and be like, this Foliadel was like a no brainer. But then it didn't sell and it's kind of labor intensive. So we were like, okay, let's just make a couple every day because it's important to us and hopefully we find those people. And have who- they been selling now? Yeah, Vinny- they sell. My Vinny's
1: been in there getting them.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're Vinny, I haven't seen him. So please come back, Vinny. We miss you. All right. So look, you fast forward. You're
1: in Chicago, you're mm-hmm. doing all these jobs, you're mm-hmm. working for some dirt bags, and then you come <laughs> and then you go in in two thousand and ten and one of your bosses at one of these restaurants pushes you to learn. To really cook.
2: Oh yes, tell us, um, Giuseppe Tintori. Um, I, don't, you know, I, I keep in touch with him. I don't. Eat, sometimes I'm like, do you even know the significance that you had in my life? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, his restaurant, GT Fish and Oyster, was a brand new restaurant. Um, but I had known of him because he had another restaurant in Chicago. But the way he cooks and how he teaches his staff is is really special. Um, every single day, we had a pre-shift. He was educating the servers and talking about whether it was a new oyster we had or a new Italian dish that he he was rolling out um he made sure we had a real good really good education about the food and i would live for those moments like i would just be like oh my god tell us tell us everything so you were like a sponge yes yeah, i was absorbing. like oh and then i'd be the one raising my hand like i have another question and everyone would be like courtney enough and i'd be like okay okay so then um he kind of was a little bit annoyed at times I think with me but I think he found it kind of endearing I, over time he was like hey you spend so much time back here get back on the line like cook and I was like oh my god I could never I don't know I don't even have a knife and what am I gonna do and he didn't understand why I was so scared of it, and um, over time, I would like make my way back, and I'd help the cooks put away their dishes at the end of the night, or I'd help them do their dishes, just because I liked being around them. And all of them would be like, why are you wanting to be back here? You literally make four times this amount of money, because as a server there, I was like banking, and they were making $10 an hour. And that's the... Un- uh, yeah. Like the really sad part about it, which we're changing at John and Vinny's. We we make sure that we pay everyone a livable wage, and I really fight for that, and John and Vinny are, are behind me on that as well. And, um, they're really good guys. Yeah, they, they really, really are, are. And, and they get it, and they're like, hey, if we want to retain talent, we need to pay people, and we can't pay them something that they can't pay their phone bill. Like, how do we live with ourselves at the end of the day? And uh, That really needs to change in Maybe restaurants.
1: to talk to our company.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I know. I know, I know, I know, but... I... <laughs> Maybe Joke not Put me in contact. Put me in contact. Let's talk to him. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's All do right, it. So you learn
1: how to cook yeah. there.
2: You moved to Paris in 2012.
1: Yes. You pursue a dream. Yeah. What was your dream there? Four-on-blue. What did
2: you do? No. There? So I had gone to culinary school um, in California, actually. So after I I left GT Fish and Oyster, I had a bunch of money saved up. I moved to uh, San Jose, California, and I started working for Whole Foods, and that was my dream job because I loved that grocery store so much. And you got to think. Back in 2012, that was like the they're store. still in their prime. But like then, it was like Whole Foods. What yeah. is this magical place? Well, it's like that airhorn now. Or yeah, is that what it's called?
1: Air-wan. Air-wan. Yeah. yeah. Um.
2: Exactly. airwan Yeah. It, it just has that that. Magical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to work for Whole Foods and I love foods and I had been doing HR. So I had a big uh, background in human resources. I got my degree, um, started working for UPS in a huge corporation. Well, that um, must come in
1: handy for you to be in someone's company. Exactly. Wow. Exactly.
2: So six years there, I, I really learned how to like shape working with people and being a good leader. And that company really trained me to be in tough situations and like how to bring out the best in myself when I don't believe in myself. I was doing all sorts of things for, the, for UPS. And then um, when I got to San Jose, California, I was like, hey, I'm going to apply myself in the food world. But after being at Whole Foods, there was a culinary school right down the block. And I was like, I'm going to take night classes. So I worked full time. Then I went to culinary school at night. And um, the minute I stepped into class, my teacher was like, you're really good. Where have you been? And I was like, Oh my God! What do you mean? And he was like, "You're a really good cook. Why did it take you so long?" And in the culinary world, I was like 26, so that's old, essentially. When you're joining that that world, yeah, because a lot of people come out of high school, they go right into cooking, and they make a career out of it. And some chefs are really established by that age, or are looking to be really established. And so I felt late to the party, um, but because of that, this. Specific uh, instructor was like, you need to push yourself, and that's why I moved to Paris because he was like, you need to look at these restaurants. You need to not go into some like corporation after this culinary school. I I think you should move and get out of here and burst your American bubble. And I was like, I agree with that. Like, sign me up. Where do I go? And so he gave me some leads. Um, and I moved. I sold everything that I had. I had literally two thousand dollars to my name. I was I I look at it now and I'm like, What how the right what were you thinking? What were you thinking? But I I was so ambitious and I knew that um it was good timing. I was like single, I was I was prepared, I was nervy enough to take some risks, so I did it. Um and the list that he gave me, I I applied for one that I had researched myself that I was like, I'm gonna do a curveball and I'm gonna go to the top and I'm gonna try this restaurant, um, which is the was Verjue and uh, I walked up literally slept for four hours got in Paris slept for four hours and went for my stage walked in the chef was like so intimidating that I was like ah this is a bad yeah, idea yeah they
1: really scary in France Oh, and especially don't order sauce on the side. <laughs> no, don't you dare. the chef comes out no. like waving the yes. thing, screaming, oh. and in French, because I, I understand some French, yeah. he was screaming at me, no sauce, no food, and he took my plate. Oh, I believe it. He took my oh, plate. Oh, I believe it, I believe it. It was at a little place called L'Orangerie. Oh, I'm, that's famous. Yes. I know L'Orangerie yes. was on the list yes. of the places yes. that I was supposed
2: to go. And this
1: guy, literally the chef came out with a towel screaming uh-huh. and took my plate. Yeah. No I believe sauce, it. No food. I believe it. I mm-hmm. swear,
2: yeah, because because it, <laughs> it's it's an appreciation for technique and it's such an artistic expression, and they don't want you to change any anything about right, that right. Um, and then you traveled through Italy. I did. I traveled through Italy by myself. I was so burnt out because in Paris, I wanted to quit my job every day that I was there because it was so hard for me, and I was learning so much so quickly. and I just like wasn't absorbing it fast enough. I was like, I'm still making the same mistakes. But by the time I had left, I had gained all this confidence. i I felt so strong and so, So courageous, but also I had executed the food and I I really nailed it finally. But it took me a really long time. So I I wanted to give myself a break. Um, I was just thinking when I got to Italy that I would just take trains all around, and that's what I did. Um, And I went to Venice and I went to Florence and I went to Bologna and I just ate and ate and ate, made some really great friends along the way, got a lot of inspiration. I was like, this is the food I need to be around, this is the food that I'm going to cook. But when I got back to LA, Uh um, mind you, things changed. (laughs) I had, um, I saw, I my brother lives here. That's why I came. So
1: that's what happened. She came to visit her brother, Uh and she ate at one of my favorite Tuamec. Yes. It is delicious, so tiny good. little place here. Same owners as John and Vinny, and you met Chef Ludo there, right? Yes, I did. And uh, then you <laughs> met John and Vinny, yes? Yes, I did. And then what happened? Okay, so... This l- doesn't happen to people <laughs> often,
2: but um Yeah, I was at Twomek, and I went by myself. My brother got me um, a reservation, uh, and he was like, just go, check this place out, I think you're going to like it. And I was watching the cook so intensely sitting at the bar that Ludo came up, and he's like what's the matter with you? And I was like, nothing, nothing. He's like, you okay? I was like, yeah, no, I'm just watching the cooks. Like, I'm amazed by them and I love it. He's like, only a cook watches cooks that way. Are you a cook? And I said, I am. He's like, well, come work for me. He's like, give me one day. He's like, give me one day. Let me see how how you do in this kitchen. And you worked at the restaurant Animal. Yes. So then I got moved to Animal um, and I worked for a chef named Jonathan Whitner, who's a very talented guy. He has another restaurant in LA at this this point. Um, But, that was tough. I, I wasn't used to cooking that kind of food in that kind of pace. I had come from fine dining where we were serving 40 slow, people. Right? Slow, Yeah. But very meticulous. I mean, yeah. you're literally peeling layers of onion and like holding them on ice to play. Like it's a whole thing. Right. So Animal was uh, a definitely more intense tough kitchen. Um, every dish had to be perfect. Um, and I remember really being inspired by it but really being scared and working with kids that were, or cooks that were really strong. Stronger than I was. I was mentally strong but but I was not used to the muscle memory of cooking that kind of food. And that takes time. So you have yeah. to be very vulnerable cooking because you got to be like, I got to suck for a little while before people can see what I can do.
1: Well, also, you're a handicapped because you're a woman.
2: Yeah. And
1: if you think Sadly. about it, Anthony, this makes so much sense
2: mm-hmm. uh, that she's a chef because yeah. here's
1: why who does the cooking when you're a child? Who's making dinner for <laughs> you? Mom. Mom. <laughs> right? Yet every chef up until maybe the last 10 years, until the Nancy Silverstone. Uh, yeah, Silverton, uh, yeah. Silverton, mm-hmm. and the uh, Suzanne. Suzanne Goyne. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. until these women came, it was all men, really, for chefs. But mm. you think about, that's so weird since your mom mm-hmm. did all the cooking. So then you had to figure out how to fit into a boys club. For sure. You're young and you're a woman. Uh-huh. And so now you're willing to do anything, including jeopardize your health. Tell, yeah. Tell tell us about that.
2: Well, I feel like I was working, I mean, I still work really long hours, but at that time I was really overcompensating to try and fit in and and be like, okay, what I lack in experience I'll make up for in long hours or effort of being there. Or eating tacos and drinking beer. Yeah, exactly. There we go. So like (laughs) at the end, but that's something that is like very true is like when you are working in a restaurant, you're working when everyone else is out partying or enjoying their lives. They're going out to dinner, they're having a drink. You know, when we get off at two in the morning, we're like, we want that same thing but that means late night drinking it means late night tacos it means late night diets going that are to really bed with fat
1: greasy food in your belly yeah and
2: then you wake up and literally you have a coffee and you go back into it for the next day and the lifestyle isn't conducive if you allow it to to life and balance and health and balance and wellness and balance so I, I wanted to change that and, and she did I now did. she's not afraid to eat a bowl of kale that's right <laughs> often I have to I force myself to because I'm like I need the nutrients and you know I love pasta. I can I I Promise you, and you make the best pasta in town. That's for sure. All right. Thanks. Also, speaking
1: of food in L.A., yeah. uh, you say that L.A. is the best veggies and fruits, and in particular, the Santa Monica Farmers Market. Why?
2: Hundred um, percent, because the farmers that come there—you um, know—you have every everyone from you know a hundred miles away coming to bring the produce to Santa Monica uh, weekly, which is amazing and something that I didn't grow up with in Chicago. You know, I didn't have an avocado or kale in my fridge ever. And so when I taste these things here and I know that they're organically and responsibly farmed, it's really inspiring because I'm like, there's no excuse as a chef not to cook delicious food here. Right. We have actually the best ingredients at our fingertips. And it does remind me of France because in the same way, um, they really are are looking for the best of the best and using it. And we have that same um, leverage here in Southern California and California in general because we have the best produce. Yeah,
1: that's for sure. And now... As we mentioned early on, she is the head chef. <laughs> ah, I just love it. At one of the hippest restaurant. I mean, John and Vinny's. Honestly, it's really hard to get into because it's that great. It really is. Yeah. I heard someone in there the other day saying, I had to make a reservation two months in advance to get in here. Oh, yeah, that's so thought, sweet. I thought that's really cool that people are really wanting to go that badly, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they're planning. You know, it's like a destination. Yeah. It's like a, it's yeah. like a trip. Um, but there are two locations, Fairfax and uh, Brentwood. And here's what it is you guys it's like a twist on california italian food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you say yeah. and don't you yeah. think the seasoning is the bomb diggity bomb if you get <laughs> in there you must eat that gem salad oh what you the must. hell is going on on there oh i could eat that every like 18 day. ingredients in oh. that salad dressing and um, all it is by the way is lettuce
2: yeah well gem lettuce little gem lettuce really crispy really delicious um that's from garden of farms which is uh a couple, two people that farm together and they are just amazing. And it's spicy. It's spicy. Yeah, a little bit of heat. A little bit what, of spice. What makes it- Calabrian chilies. And they're just crunched on top. They're, so that's breadcrumbs. The Calabrian chilies we actually make in the dressing. So picture like making a Caesar dressing. We just add some heat into it with the Calabrian chilies. And then we complement it, like you said, the seasoning. We we really, really, really uh, teach the cooks how to season the food there. It's so important. What's the
1: most popular dish on the menu there at John? The Day's?
2: fusilli. The spicy fusilli. Which the vodka sauce. Side. I love that vodka. That vodka sauce. Oh, Oof. my God. We it's had so that the good. other night. Yeah, it's I'm the best. I'm going tomorrow night, full yes. disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wait there, too. Second. I
1: lied. <laughs> I'm going tonight. Oh, that's right. That's tonight right. you're I going. I'm going tonight. I
2: can't wait. I'm oh, so excited. Good. Good. All right, and what's your favorite uh, food uh, on the menu there? The spaghetti. or Actually, it's mafaldini bolognese. I love bolognese. The bolognese. Yeah.
1: So, your bolognese is great because <laughs> it's a curly noodle. Yeah. What is that
2: noodle? The mafaldini looks like a baby lasagna. It's a really thin, wavy noodle. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like a thick shoelace, if you will. Look, um, she thinks I'm kidding. I've written down all my favorites. Oh,
1: yeah. Margarita pizza, the, the bolognese, bolognese. the vaca, the vaca pasta. See, the gel. Yeah. Oh, and I can't forget the balls. The meatballs. The balls. The are meatballs. so good. It the, takes an army. It
2: really is. To those, create those. those <laughs> just a big ball. Yeah. <laughs> a, I mean. Not but, to be rude, but you yes, got big balls. Yes, it's true. <laughs> They're huge. The the balls are huge. And honestly, like it takes so much love and effort to do those. What, like are, are we there do pork? so many What's in there? pork, uh-huh. yes. Pork and beef. All right, so mm-hmm. tell everybody cuz you're not going to believe this,
1: Anthony. I mean, I don't have an alarm clock. I wake up at 3 without yes, one every day. I'm so surprised. I don't know how I've done it my whole life. I just say Got to get up, up so-and-so, and I wake up. But
2: your day yeah. is insane. Yeah. Her alarm goes off at <laughs> 6 a.m., and then what? And then, okay, so if it's a Wednesday, um, we do farmer's market runs, which is Santa Monica farmer, farmer's market that I'm talking about. Um, but we have a market purchaser. Her name is Samantha. She's amazing. Um, girl power there. She's the best. Yeah, that's the
1: other thing yeah. I want to mention about
2: yeah. about, about the, her team. Yeah. There's a lot of women. Yes. And they're so great with
1: each other. And yes. here's the other thing. When you go into a restaurant, mm-hmm. is it not the most frustrating thing <laughs> if you only have the one waiter and you, hello, hello, yes, I need you. Yes, yes. And you can't, not at this, these restaurants, mm-hmm. any of John and Vinny's restaurants. Mm-hmm. They are a team. So if someone's just walking by your table, even though she or he is not your server, mm-hmm. you can ask them for something and they will 100%. 100%. And, and that's, I told you I love that about you guys.
2: Yeah, it's true. Well, we have that open kitchen, too, especially at John and Vinny's. So you see something, you say something, you help the guests get the best experience that they can. Hospitality is number one, for sure. And like, I, I love that the cooks get to have interaction with the guests and be like, did you like that? Did you enjoy that? Or like, let me clear your plate. Wait, let me get you another water. Yeah, like it's everybody
1: everybody strength the numbers for sure.
2: For sure. You know? All right. Yeah. So
1: speaking of doing something, yeah. so after you go to the farmer's market, tell everybody yeah. What goes on?
2: So I, I go in and I'm, I'm big on quality control and systemizing the day. So I've got to check that all of the food that's being cooked is prepped correctly, that the cooks that are new are being trained um, because quality control is the number one um, part of my job. I have to make sure that what we're cooking is the same every day. And that means that any variable can throw off any recipe. If someone's lazy, if someone forgets something, I've got to be tasting the food. So when I come in, I'm working with my sous chefs um, and my cooks directly to make sure that whatever they have on the line, Mine is tip-top perfect. And do you um, taste
1: every single thing like Gordon yes. Ramsay
2: does? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. And my sous chefs do, too, and my cooks do, too. That's the thing. That is, is the key, that it, right? If I teach everybody the importance of tasting the food and and how much that is like a, a pivotal thing in making a restaurant good or bad, it, it really makes a difference, is tasting.
1: It, it really is. Every
2: detail. That's the seasoning, too. Well, you
1: know. there's so many aspects of that mm-hmm. kitchen that you're managing.
2: Yeah, Right. I mean, oh, the interpersonal stuff, too. We haven't even talked about that.
1: (laughs) You're managing personalities. Uh You're managing the food. You're managing a lot of Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Um, All right. Listen, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive.
1: All right, we're back hey. <laughs> with Courtney Storr, the head chef of John and Vinny's. The best. It is so delicious. <laughs> and we were talking about all the aspects of management uh, that you actually have to do. People probably don't understand what a head chef really mm-hmm. has to do. Okay. So that's what I really want you to explain. Great. So you're in the restaurant. You've tasted the food. You've made sure the line is good. Mm-hmm. Everything's going on, but you still aren't done. Then what?
2: Teaching, teaching, teaching. So um, I have to teach cooks how to cook. Every single thing every day. It never stops. Um, I am the most valuable to the restaurant because I really um, have to get in there. I can't just tell someone, I have to show them. I get the best results that way. So, that means for me, that's why my hours can get long is because I really have to be there cooking with the cooks. I can tell them, put this, this, and this in there, but they're not going to see it. And food reacts. It's like art. You know, it's like you add a little bit of this, you emulsify it like this, this kind of heat. There's so many variables that like need to be taught and guided. So, I I have to be there. Um, I also am making sure that scheduling-wise, are we able to have enough people there to give our customers the best experience? Um, And that's for to-go food as well because we have a big operation that way. Um, And not only are we feeding the diners, but we're feeding the to-go customers as well. And the food has to be perfect for both. Yeah. Because there's no – that's not – you know, right. we won't have people acceptable. come. Exactly. It's not acceptable. Um, and so I find that when I'm there, I'm, I'm not only teaching people, but I'm also checking in on the dining room, on the pacing of the food, making sure that the guests are having a good experience. With John and Vinny's, we often cook the food so quickly that people can be like, it's too fast. It's too slow. We want it paced. We don't want it paced. That's why meeting the needs of the customer changes every single night. And
1: what goes on in the kitchen? Are they fighting? Oh. I mean, is it like Hell's Kitchen?
2: Is um, that <laughs> No. you? Um, no. No. And you know, what um, I've been in kitchens that way where it's a very intense yelling environment I um, I've been that person at times when I need to be, but what gets better results is um, having like a sensibility to my leadership approach. Where I'm like, if I yell, am I going to throw this person off so they're going to perform worse all night? Probably. If I get under someone's skin so much, they're going to be agitated, they're going to start shaking, or they're going to burn themselves or burn someone else. So safety wise, I don't know if it's the most effective, especially when we're produ- producing this much you food. That Gordon Ramsay. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but see, I work really well for chefs that are those kind of chefs because it's just a different type of person. And I think universally it's a little bit riskier to lead that way because you don't have the same um, response. When I channel the cooks to work as a team and I'm like, listen, this is like a soccer game. We're trying to win here. We have a forward, that's the person on grill. Or we have like the defense who's on garmagee or whatever it is. If you approach it like a sport um, and that you all need each other, these cooks help each other. When someone's busy, they don't let anybody like – that behind. doesn't go on at a lot of restaurants. No, there's because there's too much ego. There's ego. Yes, You take the ego out of it, and these... These cooks blossom. This is why you're yeah. so
1: successful at your job because <laughs> you're you're smart. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. you're
2: you're not going in there
1: bullheaded and pigheaded, no. and you're Mm-mm. open-minded completely. Right. Wow, right. that's so great. And and like I said, there's so many aspects of a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night I met Courtney, I was watching her from behind <laughs> the whole night. I was watching you, and I kept thinking she. I know, I know her somehow. <laughs> I, and turned out she listens to k Earth uh-huh. and listened to me in the morning, yeah. so she knew who I was. But I saw. Her I knew your voice yeah, isn't that funny? She I was shocked, voice. but she was on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, she was mm-hmm. doing every she was doing she was doing everything mm-hmm. you can imagine, yeah. in that kitchen. And I saw this really cute, tiny, <laughs> little, beautiful girl. And I thought she looks like the head chef, but could she be the head chef <laughs> running Aww, this over? And so sure nice. enough, There she was. So let me ask you this. Do you think it's easier uh, because you're a woman Mm -hmm. to manage? Mm -hmm. I know it's not easier to be in the business, but it is getting easier Mm -hmm. and more accepting. Do you think it's easier because as a woman, we're used to being a mom, managing Mm -hmm. the soccer game for the kid, Mm -hmm. managing school, managing our husband, Mm -hmm. the dinner. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's what makes it easier for you?
2: Ooh, um, I don't know if it makes it easier. I think that what I try to channel is the fact that it makes me different to what people that come into my kitchen may have experienced. So I, get, I feel that that gives me leverage to show them a different way that kitchens can be run. Um, and I only speak from my, my own experience with that. Um, I like to be the person that's like, hey, you're here and I'm so glad you showed up. To, to be here to work, but are you okay? How you doing? Um, I like being able to offer that to my cooks because I feel like it gives them more of a connection. Um, and
0: you care.
2: Yeah, and I care. And I'm like, hey, I, I know how hard it is to be a line cook because I've done it. And I know the long hours and the grueling effect that it has on your body because it's not only a mental game, but it's very physical. Um, so I like to check in with them a little bit. But that doesn't mean that I baby them in any way. And um, I always tell that to my cooks. I'm like, don't get it twisted because of how I look. I care about you and I want you to do a good job, but when you don't perform it's no different than working for any other chef you will lose your job
1: or yeah, I will have you go must, home it yeah. must be a little intimidating she's mm-hmm. a beautiful girl she's tiny uh, <laughs> tiny and mighty I like to say <laughs> yes and you're Same. standing <laughs> with some big chefs some uh-huh. big dudes yeah and they must think I'm gonna knock her right on her ass oh for sure yeah but, right? but
2: but you know I have the alternate experience too where people are like wow I I'm amazed that you're the chef and that's cool I want to see why you're the chef and I, I feel like I've had that response more in Brentwood um mm-hmm. That I've had these cooks come from really reputable restaurants and work for some amazing chefs. Um, But I'm like, I don't want to have to flex, but I can. You know, I have that in my back pocket that I don't want to have to bring that energy to you unless you challenge me on it. And I've had people challenge me and be like, "Are you sure, chef? Chef, are you sure?" That's when I start to get annoyed. When I'm like, "Hey, I'm I'm the boss. Yes, I'm sure. If you ask me again, <laughs> if you ask me again, You're not we're gonna, gonna have be a here. <laughs> we're gonna have a conversation. Yeah. Um, or I'll be like, I'm so sure that that I'll work your station tonight. Go home and think about how you just asked me that. You know, Ooh. if I have to. Bam. Because
1: it's like I, I need you here, and you can't have those yeah. kind of attitudes running around and and you know, it's
2: like the one bad apple. Yeah. You guys yeah. send
1: the apple out uh, out to the trash.
2: Well, yeah, an ego speaks speaks more to me than than someone who's just silently confident, um, and someone who has a yes chef mentality. If you if you're bringing in- ego into the equation, I know what that means. You know that to me, I flip that on the other side, and I'm like, oh, you're insecure, you're nervous. You know, you're nervous maybe that I'm your boss and that you are oh, worried. So they could be a little resentful. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, um, yeah, could
1: be. Could be a little resentful when they walk mm-hmm. in the door and they see a cute little girl. <laughs> She's the chef. What?
2: That's my <laughs> boss. Yeah, yeah, I mean
1: that that definitely could play into it. Now, of course, the ultimate question. Do you want your own restaurant? Is that the goal?
2: Um, absolutely. I knew it. Yeah. <sighs> you know, I to, I go what back kind and of forth restaurant you dream enough. Um, well, I love I love Italian food so much. Um, and you know, I think John and Vinny have the most amazing idea of, of what it means to to include to make a good restaurant. And I've learned so, so, so much. Sometimes when I think about what I want, I, I picture something super duper small. Um, what I love about John and Vinny's is that I'm able to cook for people and I would like it's to do that. Super small, that's why. Yeah, and I want to help them grow and I believe it's like a, a a we thing. We couldn't do this project without one another and, and that includes Helen who has Helen's Wine Shop. They're, yeah, there's they're, a wine shop. In both of Johnny yeah Manny's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just, I sometimes envision something really small in a small town sometimes. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I could do that in L.A. or, you know, um, create something that would be really personal to me. How many I, years away are we from that, that thought? I don't know. It changes, Lisa, all the time. I like to keep myself guessing, but I would say in the next five, five years, years. yeah, That's yeah. what I'm
1: thinking. You're on the five-year plan. Yeah.
2: And by the way. Anthony, while she's doing all of
1: what you heard, because I'm already tired with everything she does, (laughs) she literally, you know, doesn't get she leaves the house at seven in the morning. Mm. She doesn't come home sometimes till eight at night, nine Mm. at night. So it's a long day. And it's not like she's just sitting around. Mm. She's working. But to add to that. She also gives back in a big way to the community. I want you to tell us about No Kid Hungry. This is so special. It's a program created Mm -hmm. by the Alliance of Moms, and you're involved. Please talk about it.
2: Well, okay, so No Kid Hungry is something that um, I worked on with Mary Sue Milliken. I was one of the chefs that participated, and that's an event um, in a nonprofit that is an everyday nonprofit um, and is amazing. And I participated in that last year with a a bunch of other chefs in L.A., Um, you know, Alliance's mom is is another separate entity. So I do two different ones. Wow. Um, but I will say I will speak to both of them because they're both really near and dear to my heart. Um, I like I've mentioned, grew up in a, a family system with a single mom and always promised that I would help others. Um, in Chicago, I was exposed to so many family systems that were broken and the the sad effects of what happens because of that. And kids are not kids are sometimes the last thing that are taken care of in terms of food and just their diet and how food can make you feel good. Um, and that's the first thing that kind of falls by the wayside when you don't have resources to pay for it. And so you're eating um, food that you can pay for. Like McDonald's in my house was a treat. That wasn't bad. You know, I, I was excited to eat McDonald's in KFC. I think it was
1: in my house yeah. too though.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I, that's all my mom could afford, um, and it was a treat, and um, I cherished those Same, memories. So, me too. so, so sometimes when people are like, "Oh, you're feeding your kid McDonald's," I'm like, "Hey, you know what? That's sometimes a special thing for people that don't have the resources to um, pay for anything else, and it's unfortunate, and it's sad, and it's unfair, but it's so systemic, and there's so much, you know, involved with that. And so, when I was a kid, I was like, whatever I can do whatever that looks like for me when I get older and I get out of this because I knew I wanted to dig myself out of poverty and feeling like my mom couldn't pay her bills. And, and that was a terrible feeling. So I really empathize with single moms and families, single fathers, uh, people who don't have um, the means to to feed their, their kids. And there's resources more and more um, in companies and, and nonprofits like No Kid Hungry that are taking an active stance and teaching and, and providing uh, resources to people who can't afford it. And with Alliance, of moms, um, I do a program with my friend Katira, um, and it's called Raising Foodies. And in that program, I teach the women who are in foster care, um, young mothers themselves who uh, are unable to be officially on their own. They use uh, St. Anne's as a resource um, for temporary housing where they have access to a kitchen and they can feed their little ones and learn how to cook. Um, And you go in there and teach them to cook for them. Yeah, we cook together. Oh, They're working. They're working. They're working with me. I'm like, I'm not going to show you. We're going to cook dinner together. Um, And I love it. And I love also. How do you find time for this? Um, I make the time. Um, because when I'm there it feel it fills my soul and it it's like there's so much more I want to do with that as well because it's important and it's valuable and um, it's valuable to me but it's valuable to the girls um, that work with me and I like being a role model and a mentor of someone who's like hey I, I know what it what you might be feeling I might not experience the same thing because we're different we look different we act different um, but I might be feeling in my heart some things that you have felt and so here's how I came came out of it mm-hmm. you know and I'm still doing the work i mean i don't have it all figured out okay nobody does i don't think so right <laughs> um but i try to do you make want kids time. of your own yeah i mean i do i i see both How ways exactly i am <laughs> just asking. I mean stay tuned <laughs> i don't know about a little meatball exactly i know <laughs> i know i you know what's so funny you know what's so funny is that i i would probably be able to make it happen but um if I don't have kids of my own I wanna work with kids in a bigger way. Well you're already doing yeah. that, so and it's so you're at start. Yes. And so when we talk about, you know my own restaurant. I'm also like, is there a way to uh, help in a nonprofit uh, way that I can provide myself? My, my, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. If not, I'm going to make it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that need to uh, know that there are options and resources. So trying to do my part. You sure are. Yeah. All right. Any recipes you can uh, share here? One <laughs> one that maybe someone like like Anthony can recreate? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anthony, you want to cook?
1: Sure, okay.
2: Let's start with a okay. Let's do a pomodoro sauce, okay? Because this is something that everybody can do at home. Um, what I recommend is getting an olive oil that is a good quality olive oil. Now, that doesn't mean you have to spend 60 bucks, but get something that like you could taste raw. I'll tell you,
1: I found my (laughs) olive oil. I had a friend who her boyfriend's father owns an olive oil in Italy. Oh, wow. So they were sending the big giant cans. Well, then they closed shop. So I'm on the last of my little good but the, the father in Italy said, buy California Grown. Yes. It's the only olive
2: oil that's real olive oil, and it's yes. not expensive. It's not. Do you agree? I, I go with that 100%. In okay. fact, we, we use that at okay. the beginning of John and Vinny's. We've switched to an Italian one, but I that's right. a great recommendation. Okay, good. Okay, um, so olive oil. Olive oil, you want to um, slice some garlic. Uh, or you can just like take a garlic clove and smash it. Um, if you like the flavor of garlic, chop it. it's gonna be a little bit more condensed, a little bit more flavorful. Um, but you saute a little bit of garlic in the olive oil. Um, add a little bit of chili flake for spice if you like spiciness. Um, at that point, I will add in, after I've kind of toasted the garlic, just to a light brown, not a dark brown. That will be very bitter and a little taste almost burnt. Um, and then get a good quality canned tomato. Um, we use Chris tomato tomatoes. And if you see them in the grocery store, buy them, they're delicious. You can get those at Italy. Yes, century, you can. And Erewhon, I, th- yes. I think, and Whole Foods now has them, but they're good. Or yeah. use a San Marzano tomato or any any canned tomato that you can buy. When I, even with the girls, with Alliance of Moms, we use uh, food that's very accessible. So if I can make it with $6 and make it take, taste good, anybody can. All right. Um, so buy a canned tomato that you like. If uh, if you like, my grandmother used to cook the tomatoes down for like an hour. If it tasted really acidic, she would add a pinch of sugar and a pinch of salt uh, just to round out that tomato sweetness. But the tomatoes with Bianco, you don't need the sugar. Um, but you kind of just cook it down 45 minutes watching it, add a little bit salt to season and that's literally it then cook your pasta save that pasta water add a little bit to your sauce in a pan separately not a stove pot okay a pan saute pan. pan yeah we're not living in a dorm anymore yeah i always see people i'm like why are you putting it in a pot and the reason is it's a bad habit because it doesn't emulsify the sauce evenly and then you miss that like restaurant component all we do is put it in a pan a saute pan a little bit of sauce, add your pasta, saute it together, and then plate it. Even if you're cooking at a dinner party, I usually recommend people do maybe two different plates of pasta. Because if you put it all in one, it's going to have that residual heat, it's going to get gummy, so split it up. Split up the quantity, you'll get better results.
1: Speaking of dinner parties, she also is available for hire to come, I'm which I'm <laughs> yeah. going to hire, which <laughs> I'm planning, I'm waiting for you yes. to get a little bit more settled, because yes. I know the restaurant just I'm opened. so there, Lisa. But I'm going to hire her to come do a little dinner I'm party. I'm so there. I'm, I'm so, so there to have i i I told my friends, you're going to die when you taste taste her food. What's your favorite thing to cook at home? Chicken Marsala. Mm. Have you had this? No. chicken marsala? No, I, I'm not a marsala girl. Oh, well and then but chicken limone
2: or chicken parmesan <laughs> I got you covered Lisa whatever you want. I mean, I mean I might need to have your uh, you chicken might. marsala You might, I'll, you might I'm you very might. excited
1: um, This is, I mean to me, I'm so impressed Aww, I really thanks. am, you know I have to say what you do is so important mm-hmm. and the way you do it is really, really great and thank you so much for actually carving out 45 minutes to come <laughs> Here and uh, share with everyone, and anyone who's out there who wants to be a chef, be a cook, yes. give out your social uh, websites. They can Google
2: you, sure. they can see your st- your full story. Yeah. Um, so I'm full court press um, on Instagram. You can find me just by searching my name, Courtney Store, or. Um, Yeah, I think that's the best way. I've had cooks uh, hit me up on the DM and Instagram and they work for me right now. I mean, honestly, Um, if you want to really, and if you're really interested in cooking, mm
1: -hmm. she just told you how she did it.
2: And so go ahead, go for it, you guys. And don't be scared. Don't be afraid. And and face that fear with uh, the risk and the courage. Just remember to be courageous and that it is hard. It's not easy. Um, Anyone who tells you it's easy is lying. Yeah, but
1: anything that's easy is not worth having. (laughs) Yeah,
2: but you got to be okay with being outside of your comfort zone and being vulnerable uh, to change and knowing that you will eventually be good and that uh, the people that aren't nice to you along the way, you will have your pretty woman moment. <laughs> Big mistake, huge. <laughs> that does come. Just all from- right, well, all I could say is Bella, Bella, <laughs> Bella, Bella. <ragazza>. <laughs> grazie. <laughs> grazie, grazie, Courtney. <laughs> Prego. That was a lot of fun. thank you. Thank you.